San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, and I was producer coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. Heard not just Mesenio County, but Orange County, LA County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760KFMB, you can hear us on your smartphone or other device. All these podcasts are heard commercial-free on iymoney.com, and we stream live on 760KFMB.com. And now it's time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's a best-selling author. He's an accomplished marathon runner and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I, I'm doing great, Joe. It's good to be here. <laughs> Better than the Padres. I think I... Uh, yeah, I told you your Padres yeah, were real. <laughs> Houston... Basically, it is earlier in the week, but uh, yeah, Houston has clean has cleaned up on them the first couple of games there, and we'll see uh, how it shakes out. Told you uh, they can't field. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see uh, Will Myers give them a home run last night? Bounced off his glove over the wall last I told you they yeah. can't field. <laughs> Hey, can you give hey, can you give a guy an error instead of a home run on something like that? You can, yeah. And wouldn't that be something? The guy gets a home. I mean, it scores two points, but obviously on an error, you don't. You wouldn't. Yeah, you get remember a when Canseco had one bounce off his head and went over the wall for the, a home run? Was that a home run or an error? That was a home run. But it could be an error, right? You, you, you could not expect Jose Canseco to actually field. I'm surprised he didn't bounce into the upper deck off of his head. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, let's see. Anything else to report? No, we got two guests tonight, so we got to get rolling. Okay. We got somebody really special on the line. All right. Ron Baker, are you there? Yes, I am. Cool. We have on the line the, I'm going to make up a new word, the best sellingest author in the history of the certified public accountant world, the CPA world. That would be Ronald J. Baker. Ron, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. How are you? Thanks for having me, you guys. Our pleasure. Hey, my understanding is you have your own radio show now. Is that right? Because I listen to it. Yeah, we're, uh, <laughs> we're on voiceamerica.com, and we, I do a show with my colleague Ed Kless. It's called The Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy. And uh, we talk about you know, issues of pricing, marketing, leadership, uh, all, all with a focus on the, the knowledge worker and the knowledge economy that we think we live in today. Is that strictly online there, Ron, or is that uh, on any affiliates? Or any- it is. It is strictly online for okay. now. But uh, you know, I, I would love to. Uh, I would love to grow it. Well, you are. You're growing it with us tonight because uh, we have fifty thousand watts. We're reaching up and down the coast of uh, the west coast of the U.S. So there you go. Oh, that's great. <laughs> hey, was your last show about the best business book ever written? Uh, that's our next show. That's yeah, your we're next doing one that coming up. Okay. Uh, day after tomorrow. Okay. Could you can you pre-announce it since? Um, um, we're actually airing this two days after taping it. You mean which, you mean which, which book? book? Or, or is it not going to be decided until you guys are doing the show? Yeah, we probably won't decide okay. it because we're thinking about turning that into a series. So oh, okay. we, might, we might discuss uh, you know, maybe our top 20 over four or five shows or something. So. Well, how about top three? What would be your top three favorites, just to, for the heck of it? Besides your own. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll give a couple to you. Um, one of my favorite all-time business books is actually an autobiography by a guy named Stanley Marcus, oh, yeah. who was one of the sons of one of the founders of Neiman Marcus, and it's called Minding the Store. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, it's simply one of the best books ever written on customer service. Mm. I mean, this man knew customer service. He knew the value of customer loyalty. 
long before, you know, CRM and all this customer loyalty economics became a fad. Hmm. And he's just he's a great writer and he's just a fascinating guy. I mean, and he was quite innovative. I mean, Neiman Marcus, you know, he did the his and her catalog, the Christmas gifts. He did the, uh, you know, the fashion show. He did a whole bunch of different innovations and just an incredible life story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Marcus was the gentleman, I think, who said if we hire people smaller than ourselves, we'll build a company of dwarfs. And if we hire people bigger than ourselves, we'll build a company of giants. I think that was Marcus, I think. It, it might have been him. Yeah, it sounds like something he would say. And if he didn't say it, he certainly believed it because yeah. he did surround himself with really bright people. Mm -hmm. well, let's get into your background a little bit, Ron. Uh, born and raised where and uh, educated where? And then and, maybe and, and can... why on earth did you ever become a CPA? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, uh, born and raised in Santa Rosa, California. So I guess I'm a native Californian, which is uh, a kind of a rare bird these days. My wife days. has tons of relatives up there. Hi, relatives. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, Educated at uh, San Francisco State University, and mm -hmm. I started my career probably like you did, Richard, in a in a then Big Eight accounting firm in San Francisco, and I worked there for about two and a half years until I got rusted out, <laughs> and then uh, started my own firm in about 1990 or about 1987 or so, and then ran that for like 13 years, and now I um, ever since about the early 2000s, I'm the founder and CEO of Verisage Institute, which is the think tank I run. And that's where we do all of our consulting and speaking and writing and trying to transform uh, different professions into, uh, into adopting in, you know, the knowledge economy that we talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just um, for sake of reference, Ron, this is the first of a two-part series on the future of the CPA profession, the most trusted advisor concept, all of those concepts. Next week's guest after you and Dan, this week are going to be Jody Paydar, who wrote a great book called The Radical CPA. don't know if you've read that yet or not. I have read it, yep. Great book. And then also Richard Francis, who's the um, CEO of Spotlight Reporting. Ah, okay. Zealand. Yep. Excellent. So, anyway, it's first of a two-part series on that particular topic. So when you train professionals, are they strictly accountants or are they from all walks of the business life? All walks. of we, we tend to focus on professional firms, although I work with general businesses, too. I'm on the faculty of Professional Pricing Society, which is kind of like Fortune 1000 companies. Hmm. Uh, but but Ideal and Verisage is really focused on the professional, what we call the professional knowledge firm. So lawyers, accountants, advertising agencies architects, actuaries, IT consultants, consulting firms, those types. Basically anybody who pretty much bills by the hour, which we think is completely ridiculous, um, that, that's who we work with. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and to that point, I know you're, uh, this would be, I guess, a little bit more than 20 years ago now, right? Your, uh, the value pricing book that you wrote was 1990. It was 1998 was Eight, the first so book I published. Years. Yeah, and uh, it was it was a 149 dollar book. In fact, it was uh, published by Harcourt Brace down there in San Diego, and yeah. you guys, Jovanovich. And then of course they were purchased by different companies, and it ended up at Aspen or CCH. Actually, was the final mm -hmm. publisher. But that book went through six editions, and it sold for 150 dollars. Um, and has sold over 40,000 copies. So uh, it kind of put me on the map internationally across all the professions on this topic of value pricing. But but at the time, it really caused quite a furor because I would say at that time, 1998, probably 99.8 percent of professional service firms were charging by the hour, which Absolutely. is a which is I, a an approach that many many customers, quite frankly, hate. Yep. Yeah. Who who likes to pay by the hour for anything? I mean, if you're 
if your uh, lawyer or your accountant has an asthma fit, you know, or a cough attack, you, it just costs you twenty bucks. Exactly, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> exactly, but you know, my my old CPA firm, which I sold in two thousand and one, we stopped keeping timesheets in nineteen ninety five, even before your book came out. So I take great pride in that. Excellent. Because for one thing, we realized how much time we were spending keeping track of time. <laughs> mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of a non-value-added activity. <laughs> well, it makes you tired, for one thing, so it's actually a detracting activity is what I call it. Right, right. Well, doctors are getting kind of sick and tired of all the paperwork, right? Because they're taking yeah, away from kidding. their professional practice, right? So. Yeah, so true. But, I, but, I would um, hate to be a doctor these days. Mm. But, you know, that when you wrote that book, of course, back in 1998, the CPA profession looked, I think, a lot different than it does now. For one thing, I think, well, I'm just going to make a statement. I think a lot of CPAs are still selling things that their customers don't really want to buy. And for the most part, the profession isn't really offering things of great value that their customers actually want. CPAs haven't figured that out yet. I think that's in part because we're now in this age of information. Back in 1998, you know, CPAs, attorneys, wealth advisors, in my humble opinion, they all basically possess pr- proprietary information and knowledge. Um, now, in 2015, most of that knowledge is out on the Internet. It's easy to find. Granted, many customers don't apply it correctly, but the point is they have access to it, whereas 20 years ago, they simply didn't have access. So I don't know what you think, Ron, but I, I believe that's greatly changed the playing field for anybody who's a financial professional. No, I think you guys are absolutely right. I mean, look, it's hard to compete with Google, right? <laughs> if, if, if you can get something for free, then... then uh, you know, your knowledge or your information certainly can be, uh, you know, found on Google, then you've got to add value. And and I think uh, the number one issue facing the CPA profession specifically is relevancy. I I think it's just sliding more and more into complete irrelevance. I mean, we're, we're, you know, they're playing historians with bad memories. (laughs) All all they're doing is reporting on the past. You know, the joke about the the auditor comes in after the battle and bayonets the wounded. (laughs) This is, this is so true. And, uh, and, and I don't think they figured it out. And if I, I think if it wasn't for the government regulatory revenue that they earn, with, with stupid laws like Sarbanes-Oxley and Dodd-Frank, and then all the tax laws get more complicated every year despite all the talk of simplification. If it wasn't for that evergreen revenue, I'm not sure accountants would exist because there's nothing sacred about a profession. They can go away if they're not adding value outside of ourselves, and I don't see a lot of value being added by CPAs, unfortunately, and I say that quite regrettably, but, you know, I have to speak the truth. Yeah, well, what's interesting to me, certainly tax returns have lost any value whatsoever. They're now a price-based commodity. If somebody asks you, do you prepare 1040s, and you make the mistake of answering yes, the, the prospect's very next question is, how much do you charge for a 1040? But on the financial side, on the accounting side, unfortunately, most CPAs haven't figured out that business owners are looking for things like real-time accounting. They're looking for things like accounting into the future, where you're looking at key indices that might predict what your results are going to be and measuring those into the future. Nobody really cares about what happened three months ago, two months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Because you know, you guys you probably, I'm sure, are aware of Peter Drucker. Mm-hmm. And at, at one of his last public appearances that he gave before he died, it was a, it was a conference of CEOs, and he was, was kind of wheeled out on the stage in a big armchair, and he looked at this crowd of CEOs and he said, you know, his rich Austrian accent, 
the person who knows your business the least is the CFO. <laughs> and his point was because they're focused on the past and, and all they do is solve problems. They don't pursue opportunities. Yeah, excuse me, though, there, Ron. We're going to get into uh, the future right after this break. We've got to take a little pause. I apologize for that. But we'll be back with Ron Baker, founder of Veris Age Institute, right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back with more Vitriman in Your Life, the award-winning show. We're speaking with Ron Baker, noted speaker, writer, educator, and CPA in Petaluma, California. And, Richard, where do we leave off? We were talking about the future of the CPA profession. Ron, I went over to the other side in about 2003. You know, I'm still living. I mean, I stopped being a practicing CPA and joined what had been the largest client of my CPA firm that became a family office. So I found myself sitting on the other side of the desk actually hiring CPAs and attorneys and wealth advisors and so on. And I remember the first time I ever got a big, big bill that was based on hours. And it was um, a really interesting experience for me because we had been charged a bunch of hours for something that had been worked on where we didn't get a result that was, shall we say, even close to being acceptable or satisfactory. That is to say, the value was low or none. And that's when it all became clear to me how relevant um, our, how relevant this concept of value is and how irrelevant this concept of input or time is. It, it's really true, isn't it? And it's really stark when you're on the other side of the desk like you were. But, you know, I, I always tell all professionals who want to bill by the hour, look, it, it's, it's exactly like when a friend or a loved one has a baby. You, you don't want to hear about the labor pains. You want to see the baby. You, you, you know, you want to hear pictures, you see pictures of the baby. And what lawyers and accountants have done with the billable hours, not only do they track the labor pains, they bill for them in six-minute units. And yeah, I mean, all my, the my time, joke is, it, it, it takes yeah. away the focus from what the customer cares about, which is the baby. Yeah, and it's, and it's really negative for young people in the profession, those young millennials and so on who don't even know what a piece of paper is, and, and they're oh. being asked to account for their lives in six-minute increments when they want to work virtually, they want to work from devices, they want to work not in a brick-and-mortar office building. It's really no way to treat knowledge workers. I mean, let's face it, the only place time spent should matter is in prison. And <laughs> if I have to account for every six minutes of my day, either my boss doesn't trust me or they're in a really outdated business model because no other business on the planet, you know, Apple and Google people aren't doing timesheets, and yet they're still productive. They're getting a lot of things done. They're innovating. I mean, it's just insane, and you're right, it is burning out people. And I think it's making the uh, profession less attractive, and I think that's another big problem the profession faces is the demographic time bomb of all these people retiring. I mean, something like two-thirds of the AICPA membership is eligible for retirement in 12 years. Well, I mean, you go to an AICPA conference these days, it's like an ARP convention, <laughs> you know, and and if and we're not doing a good enough job attracting young people because they look at CPAs and go, well, why would I want to do that? Be a slave to a timesheet. Yeah, and if well, we can't but, if we can't attract talent, it bodes very poorly for. But the I mean, future. the Fortune 500. I mean, we do need we do need financial statements and balance sheets for big companies and corporations, right, Richard? I mean, they are doing that kind of stuff, aren't they? Yeah, we, we need we need the reporting, but we need we need what the reporting can lead to, which is the looking into the future, the planning. Um, all, all of those applications. My best joke about time, Ron, is about the heart surgeon who says, I've got good news and bad news. He goes, the good news is the surgery only took two hours. The bad news is the patient died. <laughs> but, <laughs> anyway, hey, we've got one of our exactly. sponsors uh, here with us, Alex Sonkin, who has a neat company. I'm not going to really tell anybody what that company does until the second half of the show when your partner, Dan Morris, is on. But Alex, 
does a lot of work with CPAs and wealth advisors. He actually has a question for you. Alex, fire away. Hey, Ron. Great, great hearing from you. Uh, question. I know, I know we see a lot of examples of, of poorly run CPA firms out there, and we work with uh, quite a few CPAs, and we try to t- take them to a whole new level. But from your experience, I mean, what are you seeing out there in terms of just high-quality CPAs? Are you seeing any characteristics or examples? Uh, I know maybe there's very few out there, but are you seeing any CPAs doing it right? Yeah, there are some there are some pockets of excellence, no doubt, and mostly from the smaller side. Um, you know, the the four partner, maybe up to six partner, ten partner firms. I, I am happy to report that there are a few firms in the top 100 who are seriously looking at changing their business model to a more value pricing perspective and also eliminating their timesheets. Now, unfortunately, I can't mention any of them because I'm under NDA with all of them. But there, I, think, I think the profession has finally woken up from its stupor and realized that <clears throat> they have to change their business model. And it, it's a confluence of events. It's kind of like the perfect storm. It could be partly because of the cloud technology coming down on them. It could be to attract talent and make their firms a more desirable workplace rather than a sweatshop. Uh, but all of these forces, I think, are coming together. So I think you're going to see more and more bigger firms, hopefully, in the next decade or so, start to make this transition. And, you know, CPA firms, kind of like law firms, they're, they're like penguins sitting on an iceberg. As soon as one of them jumps in the water, then they all will. Right? That's true. <clears throat> so, Ron, tell us about Verisage Institute. Your co-founder, along with Dan Morris, Dan is going to be on on the second half of the show. What's Verisage Institute all about? Because for me, it's one of the most fascinating things that I keep track of. Well, what inspired you to found it in the beginning to begin with? Well, I, I didn't want to start a, when I when I wanted to when I finally decided to leave public accounting because the writing and the speaking and all the other things I was getting involved in and in, in spreading this message, I realized that I didn't want to start a consulting firm. And I thought because I was so I love ideas. I mean, I'm really passionate about ideas. I think the best model for ideas is not the university talking about another maybe outdated institution, but the best best model for ideas was was the think tank because think tanks that's what they deal with. They deal in the arena of ideas and testing them and making sure they're valid and that they work based on empirical evidence. So. Dan and I and my ex-partner, Justin Barnett, we got together and we, we wanted to launch a think tank. And now we've got 25 fellows spread out around the world. And they're just as passionate as I am about this topic, as you'll hear from Dan when he comes on. And they're actually either teaching this and or practicing it in their own firms. So some of them are CPAs, some of them are lawyers, some of them are consultants. Uh, but they're all out there helping us spread the message and topple once and for all the billable hour in the timesheet. Have you thought of doing like a TED Talks format for uh, for your institute, something like that? That might be interesting. We have. I've, I, I do a lot of public speaking. I probably speak at like over 120 different types of events. Uh, we tried to put on a TEDx. They're very. They're they're kind of a pain to put on. There's a lot of silly rules that you have to follow, but. Uh, we, we do try and get the message out, and of course, writing is a big way for me to get the message out um, because the written word is is really powerful. And we blog, and now we've got the radio show, and we're getting the message out. But uh, I don't rule out a TEDx. That would be that would be fun to do. I just mean your own your own type of you know using their format doesn't have to necessarily be a TEDx per se. I just, I just thought maybe a Verisage type you know you know and using their format. 
You might right, right. We actually have done that when we we get together like once every other year, and we 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 invite guests, and then we have people get up and do. We call them debt talks, D E T, because the joke within Verisage, because it's not a monetary institution, that all it leads to is debt for the people involved <laughs> yeah. in. But and we make them do six minute talks I in like in that. you know celebration of the six minute increment on the timesheet. Right. But, uh, <laughs> right. So you got any books in progress right now? Uh, we've got a brand new book out, me and my uh, uh, co-host, Ed Kless, on our radio show called The Soul of Enterprise, mm-hmm. uh, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. And basically what we did is we took six of our shows and that were in a, in a logical order, in a logical grouping, I should say. In your terms your of shows topic. are logical? Hey, Joe, how could we do that? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we turned it into an e-book, and now it just came out in paperback, too, and you can get that on Amazon. It's called The Soul of Enterprise. I'm really happy with how it turned out. It, and we self-published it, which was a learning experience. Very cool. Yeah, that's always, always fun. So that's your seventh book, right, Ron? That's correct. Wow. The and best. it's my co-host's first book, so it's Ed Kless's first book. So I'm really proud of that. I'm proud to be associated with it. So, Ron, what, what do you think the CPA profession is going to look like 10, 15 years from now? You know, I, I, it, it's always going to be around. I mean, I, I stopped trying to predict the future. It, it's going to be here because I think, like you said, Joe, you know, you're always going to need financial statements. I mean, that compliance mm-hmm. aspect for the tax laws and for the SEC and public company, that's never going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, it's, going to, it's going to continue to slide into irrelevancy. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if it, it, I don't buy the fact that small firms are disappearing. I think the CPA profession mirrors the business community in general, and most of our businesses in the United States, at least, are smaller businesses. Hmm. So I, 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 I think that I've, I've been hearing about the death of the small firm my whole existence, and it hasn't happened yet. But gotcha. I do think that we're going to become just less and less relevant gotcha. unless we do some dramatic changes. And people like Jody Paydar and, and other firms like hers that are you know, bringing innovative business models and actually changing the business model, that gives me some hope Good. that maybe we will be able to slide into adding more value. Yeah. Well, Ron, thank you so much for being our guest. Ron, we, really appreciate we it. We have to uh, move along now and get to your, your cohort. But uh, Ron uh, is with Verisage Institute, and we'll give the website and everything after this. We've got to get off to new sports and weather. Thanks for being our guest, Ron. We'll be in touch. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, Joe. Okay, Take care. All right. Welcome back to It's Your Money and Your Life, the award-winning show. Now it's time to go over to Richard to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to our sponsors, UBS, Michael Caranta, and Drew Friedis. Michael, hope, <laughs> hope, the, uh, hope the cheerleading competition for your daughter went superbly. They were in the Super Bowl of cheerleading. We'll find out how that turned out next week. Our favorite CPAs on the planet, including our guest, Jason Kruger, CPA, with Signature Analytics, the best CFO company here on the planet, as well as our great friends up in San Marcos, Polito Epic CPAs. They survived yet another tax season with great, great success. Don Epic and Paul Polito CPA. Carl Seeler with Berkeley Research Group, by far and away the best business valuation firm on the planet. Speaking of helping people make money, Joel Grushkin and Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Brenda Geiger with the Geiger Law Offices with estate planning and asset protection. Lane Elliott, California Republic Bank, a very niche bank serving wealthy families and family offices. Hub International, also known as Mars Maddox Insurance, the best employee benefits firm I have ever run into. Paul Hines and Hearthstone Wealth Advisory and End Financial Elder Abuse Alliance. Paul is an upcoming guest 
here in about a month. And last but not least, and he's going to um, actually tell us briefly about what he's doing, Alex Sonkin with the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, a very interesting company that helps CPAs and wealth advisors become heroes to their very best clients. And Alex, how, how do you guys do that? Yeah, we typically work primarily with CPA firms. And uh, to make the analogy, the CPA, we look at as a, as a general practitioner doctor. And we work, we set up the radiology department and the special, and we source the finest specialists in the country, the smartest guys in the country, the most forward-thinking professionals. And we help the CPA process the information that he's dealing with, create more time for what's most important, and then bring them back with these specialists so that they could design the perfect solution customized to it for his most important clients so that the CPA looks like the hero and they avoid the third-party referral risk and problem. It's a great opportunity in a, a much different way than the old-fashioned referral model, which, quite frankly, I don't think works. And, Joe, how can people find out about our great roster of sponsors? Well, all they have to do is get on iymoney.com, get their cursor over to the Sponsor tab, and click on that, and all of our sponsor information will drop down there. They can get all their contact information, all the professional background history, et cetera. And I know they've been working with you for many, many years with great success. Correct, Richard? Too many to count unless <laughs> I take my shoes off. But speaking of interesting CPAs yes, sir. following... Ron Baker, and he's interesting. And Dan Morris, you're there, correct? Yes, I'm okay. here. Okay, um, you you've got the most interesting mission I've ever seen from a CPA, and you also have the most interesting URL. Your URL is cpadudes.com, and your mission <laughs> is to be the ultimate dragon slayer. How on earth did you ever get into public accountancy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I. Uh... <laughs> I started out as pre-med, but that was chem organic chemistry was too hard, so okay. I thought I'd be an accountant. Okay. <laughs> but I, I've never seen there another firm a, with a mission statement. There was a recession statement. going on in the 1980s when I was going to school, and uh, by God, the accountants got hired. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was much easier to, to take a major that was going to get a job than it was to... Um, uh, to play all the liberal arts great games, even though I'm a liberal arts major, but uh, in essence, because I could get a job, and then I liked it, <laughs> so uh, never really left. Yeah, I know. When, when I got into accountancy, I took one of those aptitude tests in high school, and it said I was good with numbers and horrible with people. So it said you could either be an accountant or a priest. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that, Richard. Yeah, I never oh mentioned that gosh. on the show before. Heal thyself. I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not even going to touch that one. I <laughs> okay. think I'll just leave that one alone. But we we had your business partner and our good friend Ron Baker on for the first half of the show, and I know you are also a founder of Verisage Institute, which for me as a CPA is one of the more interesting, maybe the most interesting think tank I've ever seen in the profession. Can you can you tell us though briefly before you get to the Verisage story? Just sort of your background in the CPA world and, and, and where you went and how, how you came to your present iteration. Sure. Uh, I grew up in Oregon. My father was a CPA. He started at Touche Ross in 1958. He went into asphalt paving. So I've always been around businesses. Uh, my grandparents ran a rural grocery store, and at 10 years old, I was taught how to balance a, a cash register and service customers. So I've always been in business. I um, I got hired by Arthur Young, now Ernst & Young out of San Jose. To be honest with you, that was an experience that was uh, short-lived. Uh, not my not not my right cup of tea. I don't play politics well enough, but I learned a lot, and uh, I became a damn good accountant because I wanted to in a private industry for a while and uh, basically became kind of a mini controller of about 8,000 apartment comp 8,000 apartment units and two or three million 
square feet of commercial space where I learned how to be a general ledger accountant. And Tax Reform Act of 1986 came along, changed the world, and I knew a whole lot about real estate and construction accounting and was hired back into public accounting. And one of the neat things about a career in public accounting is you can move in and out of it over time. And I've been back in the profession solidly since uh, the fall of 1987. Okay. I... Uh, Moved my way up mostly in an audit world and a tax world, and then started my own firm in 1994, and have um, specialized in entrepreneurial services, high-tech environments, and most in the most recent 10 years, international tax structuring and export tax incentives, mostly around people who are trying to navigate the world. I've got a fairly good reputation for being uh, fast and creative when quickness and creativity really helps, especially in complex IRS audits and related issues uh, the way I think. So how I've gotten to where I was today was I did really good work. I got lucky. I walked through a few doors. I met some great people, and I've always enjoyed the ride that I've been on. So, so in other words, your career wasn't really typical of most CPAs who wind up with a pure tax practice or a financial statement practice. And, of course, you're, sil- you're situated in the Silicon Valley, too, so you're running in, I guess, to clients who do have international needs and, and startups and, and all of that fun stuff. Yes. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't traditional. I mean, a lot of what I do is certainly traditional, but one of the things that I set out to do um, – was was to effectively reinvent myself on a regular basis every three to four or five years to come up with something new because otherwise otherwise we we have what I would refer to as menticide right mm-hmm. that's that's killing of our brain mm-hmm. if 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 what we do is a pattern of the same thing every year um, then over time we get bored and we're not engaged we're not thinking about it and we're not growing as human beings and as people. And I think that one of the things that keeps people young and the ability to live and thrive until their bodies don't let them do that anymore is they keep changing their environment enough. So I built a practice, and I was very fortunate, by the way, to do that. I built a practice and surrounded myself with with people who would help me do this and allow myself to reinvent myself every few years to come up with my new next best thing. And that, you know, Inverisage was part of that, and Exemplar is a new part of that. And the, the constant has been, um, I'm curious. I want to learn new things. I want to hang out with people smarter than me. I want, I want to hang out with people who are changing the world for the better. Um, so I, I, I've sought out those opportunities. And, and how does Verisage do that for CPAs and other professional advisors? You know, you know, Verisage, Verisage is. Um, Verisage is a unique animal. It It is the first and only of its kind of a group thinking space that promulgates improvements to the profession and is willing to challenge um, all of the, the sacred cows and the status quo. Uh, it's intellectually challenging because everybody who's a fellow or a member of Verisage you know, are all at the top of the charts relative to intellectual curiosity. Uh, we're willing to test our theories in the practice. I mean, to a large degree, a lot of the things that have come out of Verisage, and for, for your listeners, if Ron didn't talk about it, I mean, Verisage's mission is to bury the billable hour in the professions. We don't want people pricing for efforts. We we think here on earth results really matter. We believe in the subjective theory of value. 
So it isn't how hard you do something. It, it's really what the customer deems that value to be. And, and, and what our customer buys isn't what isn't time. It's never time. Our customers never buy time. They buy a result to a problem or an expectation. So excuse me, there, the, is, Dan. Speaking is, of time, Dan, excuse me. We have to take. Speaking of time, we have to take a little break. And I apologize for this pause, but we'll come right back with Dan Moore, CPA and co-founder of Verisage Institute. Right after this, hang on. All right, we're back in the home stretch with Daniel Morris, CPA, co-founder of Verisage Institute, and his mission is to be the ultimate dragon slayer. And I'd like to know, Richard, what dragons are we talking about, and why slay them? Well, well, <laughs> let me ask let me ask Dan the question okay. this way. Dan, Dan, what? This is a two-part question, and I think this might answer the question. What are the major challenges in the CPA profession today, and and what what are the real opportunities for the future of the profession? Well, I think the opportunities for the future of the profession are grand. People, I mean, we're a people business. And as we move from a, a manufacturing through the service economies into a knowledge economy, CPAs should be well positioned to help help new companies monetize. That's that fancy word for making money. Mm-hmm. How do we profit from their ideas, right? And how do we how do we convert these esoteric concepts into something that's a reportable economic event. I mean, we we will continue to have reporting to governments relative to taxes and revenues. Banks and creditors and shareholders and investors are going to want to know whether or not there was really any profit made. And I think CPAs are going to be well positioned to help to help help lead that conversion from those service economy concepts to the knowledge economy concepts. And that also means that our CPAs themselves are going to have to have to go through a slight metamorphosis of their own. They're going to have to convert from, you know, maybe being the the proverbial caterpillar who has a very low world view to the butterfly that can see holistically greater distances and more of a forest connection view than the than the moss on the tree. Or we've got to leave the concept of bookkeeping and scribes behind, and and really jettison ourselves into a a 21st century. Um, general practitioner as it relates to the 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 health and well-being of our of our customers, whether they're a business or a governmental unit or a, a nonprofit or an individual. Mm-hmm. But, but when you say slaying dragons, who what are we for the layperson listening? What dragons are we talking about? You know, I think that when I say that I'm the chief dragon slayer, it it says that whatever whatever your challenge is as a customer, I'm slaying that dragon. Ah, okay. In other words, you can come to me with a pile of a uh, big mess. Right, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you cure that mess, whatever that mess is. And either I'll do it directly, or I'll have somebody in my network do it. But we all need dragon slayers around us because we're all we we we, we sometimes find ourselves encircled by dragons mm-hmm. uh, who are firing down on us for whatever reason. So we need a dragon slayer. It was it's of all the titles I've ever seen. Um, I thought that one made the most sense because I, we're I not it. just. A CPA. We're not just a financial advisor. We're not just a stockbroker. We're not just a doctor. We're we're not just our profession. We are we are prof- our profession and more. And those of us who can do more are the ability to slay more dragons. So hmm. Do you put UDS after CPA on your business card? But seriously, <laughs> you, you mentioned the word leader uh, or leadership. The the CPA profession. I want you to comment on this if you'd be so kind. There's a significant population or percentage of the CPA population that's 55 and older. Also, we're having a challenge with younger people coming into the profession or to the extent they come in, they don't, 
stay because in many cases they wind up with firms that are very old-fashioned. Where, but besides, obviously, great resources like Verisage Institute, where, where is leadership in our profession coming from or going to be coming from? Wow. And I, and I say that wow with a heavy sigh. I think, I think a couple things. I think, first of all, I think our true leadership in the future is going to come from outside our profession, and I don't think it's going to be developed inside our profession. Mm-hmm. Insiders have a tendency to want to keep things in the status quo, whether that's the professional associations like the Cal CPA Society or the AICPA. They don't really want boat rockers. They don't want people who are innovative. The, uh, the, the, the iPod would have never been invented by the, the CPA profession because – we already had, you know, phonographs and vinyl, right? Yeah, well, the joke is, why did the auditor cross the road? It's because last year's work paper said the auditor crossed the road. That's exactly, that's exactly, that's exactly right. If you think about it, you know, Phil Knight, who's a CPA, and, and you know, he, he, cre- he changed the world by pouring, you know, some form of rubberized resin into mm-hmm. a waffle iron and making a shoe out of it. Right. Founder of when Nike. When we already had, yeah. when we already had very nice running shoes in the mm-hmm. day. So, so part of that, I think, innovation will come from the outside. Young people are certainly um, continuing to come into our profession. We are we are a profession that that has a great opportunities. The, the the challenge is is that once they become licensed, uh, they do have more freedom to to pursue other interests, which is normal. Um, I think the demographics of our profession have changed a lot, and and the expectations. Uh, you don't get to when I in the 1980s. Most of the most of the senior directors in CPA firms were probably more akin to being ogres, mm-hmm. um, and today you can't be an ogre, you really can't, and nobody will put up with it. So there there's a changed expectation as well in the young. I think the I think a lot of young voices are thinking that the cloud is going to be the uh, the, the ultimate panacea for change. I don't see that at all. I think the cloud is just part of where we store data and where we can move transactions. But I think that young people are continuing to come into our profession. I think, I think reaching out into mature-aged workers, um, people who people who are mid-career changes, they've they've done 15 or 20 years in sales or engineering or some other career, and they want to move more into business. I think that's a great resource for changing leadership in our profession. Hmm. We can invite people in our profession in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s. They, they have the ability to pass the exam, the ability to learn because we're a people business, and we can teach the technical skills. So I think there's a great there's a great depth of talent out there if we just look beyond the mere college graduate. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I, I think the opportunities are huge for a young person coming into the profession, particularly if they meet a CPA or a mentor who knows how to do what I call the right way as opposed to the old-fashioned way. Um, you know, if you're working with somebody who doesn't do timesheets, who's into total, complete customer service, um, you know, sort of serving as the concierge of the hub of all of the important things that their very best clients need, as opposed to just cranking out financials and tax returns. Yeah. If, if they can hook up with, you know, somebody who's doing it the right way, we, I think it's a tremendous opportunity. We should give his website, though, Richard, because uh, we, we're in like... Uh, Let's do that. dot com. Are there some resources on there, uh, Dan, for, uh, for aspiring professionals and... Uh, right, there out? is. The, the Verisage website's a, a big master blog, to be honest. It's got lots of voices and, 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 and mm. different perspectives. 
Um, a lot of resources. There's there are uh, four what I'd call uh, cliff note versions of some of our theories as it relates to pricing, customer service selection, loyalty, and um, how to provide total quality services. You'll look it up under books. There are some free books from the ACCA hmm. that are allowed. Ron has written, I guess, six books now, maybe seven. Seven. Six or seven mm-hmm. books. And um, we have everything there is free, available, and an opportunity for people to, to communicate across the country with our fellows and our senior fellows. Our pra- we have practicing fellows that are people who are actually living living the walk and the talk. We, we bridge not only CPAs, we, we deal with advertisers and law firms and other consultancies because it's about providing total quality service in a value-based pricing model to anybody that sells intangibles to businesses or consumers. Richard, could we say it's more? It's like family office, except for uh, on the business side. Can you yeah, make an there, analogy? There's similar attributes. Also, uh, you've you've got a really cool website, cpadudes.com. So Wonderful. You can also check out Dan's website. Well, we'd like to thank you, you Dan, for being our guest tonight. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I'm going to see you guys down here for Continuing Education Week in San Diego in July. There we go. So CPA. Looking forward to it. There we right. go. Verisage.com is their website. Thanks to Alex Sonkin for stopping in and asking some questions. Also, and thanks. Good seeing you, Richard. Thank you to Justin Hart, our soundboard engineer, for making us. And thanks to the guy good. who fixed the phone problem that none yeah. of our listeners knew about. <laughs> and to Craig Blanking, our account executive. And we'd like to thank uh, Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB. All these podcasts can be heard commercial-free on iymoney.com, and we're free on iTunes. You have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Good night now.